Well, hello and welcome to In the Growth Space. My name is David McGlennon, and I'm so grateful that you've tuned in today. Thanks so much for listening. You know, I say this every episode, but I truly mean it. I really appreciate you tuning into the podcast because, you know, where you choose to invest your time really matters. And the fact that you've chosen to invest it here means a lot to me. And if the podcast has given you some kind of value, would you do me one small favor? Would you just go to your podcast app right now and scroll to the place where you can give us a rating and hopefully you can give us a five-star rating um, and, and just even maybe pause for a moment and, and add a quick review. That would mean the world to me and, and the world to my team as well. You know, so many stories of growth have moments of impact and I really believe that when you hear today's guest, you're going to find many moments of impact along his way. Today, I have Ryan Botner on the podcast. And as you're going to hear, Ryan has such an amazing story. And, and for those of you who know my background in the insurance and financial services industry, you're going to hear why I connected with him. And you know, early on in his life, um, Ryan had many good intentions as he built businesses and was one of the top salespeople year in and year out. But his life was empty and, and nothing could ever bring him a feeling of significance. We talk about the, the switch from success to significance. And he sought out fulfillment in a lot of places that just weren't healthy. He was chasing things and events that always led him to think, is this all that life is about? Now, what I also want to say here too is that Ryan talks a lot about his journey and, and it's a one of faith and involves God. So if that doesn't resonate with you, please, please, please don't tune out. I, hear, hear the path that he was on and look for the principles and the elements of growth that he shares. I, I know I know that sometimes people who don't come from a faith perspective can have, have triggering events or be triggered um, by, by people talking about their faith. And, and, you know, if that's you, consider this your call to remain in your growth, own growth space. And, and, and I just know that Ryan has so much to share in this conversation and sharing his story of personal growth. And I just wanted to share it with you. So one of the things that Ryan shares relates to the law of the inner circle. And we talk about that. Um, and that's the, 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 the leadership law that says really who surrounds you matters. And it's one of the reasons why we have our inner circle groups to help leaders be surrounded with like-minded and, and growth-minded people. And we always have a way for you to join in our show notes if that's something that speaks to you, especially after this episode. And if it does, I'd be honored to have you submit an up application and, and, um, and just check out the, the show notes for the link. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this conversation of growth right now. Well, hey, Ryan, so great to have you here on In the Growth Space. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, David. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so excited to uh, be able to have this conversation and, and really even share your story because I, when you and I were talking before, I just was really intrigued and, and really um, drawn to your story. And, you know, to me, it's, it's a great example of, of growth, of personal growth, personal development, and um, so maybe just talk about, um, you know, your story, maybe I, you can pick wherever you want to start, but, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. Um, 
Yeah. Everybody loves to tell their story, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, whenever I, I would get in uncomfortable situations or meet people that were maybe they made a lot more money than me or whatever, I would just say, you would just tell me, tell me your story. And so what a, you know, it's just a great lead in. Everybody loves to talk about their story. So yeah. um, my story starts in, in Valley City, North Dakota is where I was born. And so uh, I didn't grow up the, exactly there, but a few miles away from there. And uh, the town I grew up in, the the population, if, if you drive in, it, it says Litchville, North Dakota, population more or less. <laughs> and so if we if we had a big That's Catholic great. family move, we had a big Catholic family move in, it would double the population almost literally. I love it. And so I grew up in small town and, you know, it, in North Dakota, what ended up happening is all these small towns would have to start to combine because everybody was moving away, right? Yeah. And sure. so we we'd have like alphabet soup. It was L M M M L V was the name of our school. You know, it was all oh, these sure. <laughs> all these letters, yeah. and uh, so we just kept you know kept you know and and I would uh, my my I grew up kind of on a farm, but it, we would my grandparents were on the farm and the knots. But I grew up and really you know learned to work hard. My grandma, who was the hardest working woman she my my grandpa had parkinson's disease and and she said ryan <clears throat> she goes if you if you work hard you eat good and she was an unbelievable chef david she was i mean she <laughs> oh, she could oh, make gosh. she could make the best meal out of nothing you know and we didn't have much money either but she would she literally could and and i i, I grew up big i i was a big kid i'm still about 300 pounds and and so I, I, I worked hard. She said, you work hard. You and obviously I worked pretty hard. And so that, that earned me the right to, to play some football. And, you know, I got made fun of a little bit when I was young and I had a little chip on my shoulder from that, but I think it was, it was a good ship. You know what I mean? It wasn't, yeah, of course. Uh, it, and, and so it kept me always driving to want to prove myself, prove myself. So I went to school, mm. went to, went to get did all the college and uh, school for teaching and football, you know, coaching and uh, mm. like everybody does. Um, if they're, if they're an athlete usually. And so I got a job offer in 2005 yeah, for $18,000 teaching. I said, well, this is not going to work. And so <laughs> I'm gonna eat I didn't too well really, on that, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to be able, I need yeah, I was going to be able to eat very well. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so my uncle at the time, he was a pretty good advisor, um, you know, for me mentor. And he said, you know, Ryan, uh, this guy came in and gave a presentation to our whole office. He worked at at the time at for Accenture, which was a consulting firm, and they had just taken away four hundred one ks and all this. this was after two thousand one, right? Sure. And and so this guy came in in a nice suit, and he's telling everybody about financial, you know, liter literacy, and and uh, <clears throat> then and say if you want to meet with me, meet one on one. So he meets with this guy. Well, this guy sells him a variable life insurance policy. And he's a financial advisor. And he says, Ryan, you could do this. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. And I had just lost a bunch of weight as I got down to school. I probably lost like 50 pounds. So I was feeling good. I was sure. on top of the world. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I was like, I could do anything. So I just started applying with all these companies while I was doing my student teaching. Yeah. And nobody really would take a chance because I didn't have any sales experience to come into financial services, except for mm -hmm. one company, Northwestern Mutual. They took a chance on me. And they're kind of known for hiring kids out of school. And so I just, I did it. I took, you know, I wasn't never been a good test taker, you know, pretty much means that I'm stupid, but that, that no, no, no. people means say you're right, not a good test. You're not a right good test taker. Belief. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But anyway, uh, I took my test a few times and actually got a DUI in the middle of all that. 
and I got, I, I didn't get lose my license, but I just, I, I, I made a vow to myself at that time. I said, man, I'm never going to drink and drive again. And mm. I did a pretty good job of that. You'll learn later in the story. But, um, and so I, I got, God gave me favor to like get out of that situation. I still got my license and nothing, you know, I didn't have any hiccups there. And I hit the ground running the first six months. I was 10, three, one, which means, you know, 10, 10, 10 phone calls, three, three, three meetings and one sale. And literally that's how it meant, you know? And, yep. and so I just, I just took it and ran with it. I made 30 some thousand dollars in six months and I won the advisor of the year for the new reps wow. and all that. And then, and then I hit what's called peak ass post-goal attainment syndrome. <laughs> and so I yeah. hit all my goals and I, I went to Vail a couple times. I just, I just was, I was like, okay, I just started spending some money and doing some things. And then the whole next year, I just didn't work that hard. I still probably made 40 grand or something. But my mentor at the time said, Ryan, do you, re do you really want to do this? And I said, yeah, I really want to do this. And so what I did is I read two books. And so mm -hmm. I heard somebody say this a, a while ago, so you'd be better off reading one or two books. And going all in, implementing sure, They're sure. reading 50 books and doing nothing, right? Right, absolutely, yeah. And so I read Relentless, the book about Kobe Bryant yeah. and Michael Jordan, um, uh, Tim Grover, and he did a great job of just talking about you need that persistence, you need that relentless, tenacious pursuit of excellence. Yeah. And so I read that book and then I read Marketing to the Affluent. So then I started to understand yeah. really what affluent people did. I grew up in North Dakota and small town. I was a, sure. a country club kid. Yeah. I didn't know what affluent people even did. I didn't understand any of that. And so I took those two books and I went all in. The next year I made over hundred grand and then it went 150, 250, 350. Before I was 30, I was a millionaire. Wow. And just falling in love with the system, the numbers, sure. the lifestyle. Well then big money, big problems start to come. <laughs> yeah. You know? So what happened and next? What happened then? And so, you know, I got married, had had kids, and but I was just, I just, I, I started to kind of lose my purpose. I was making millions of dollars. Yeah. I'd do anything I want. I went to the Masters. I golfed every course. I did. Yeah. I went to the Super Bowl in the suite, private jets. I did, I literally would do everything I wanted to do. And I said, oh, man, this this life is, this isn't, I'm, I just had no purpose. Yeah. Well, um, I... Uh, Went to the doctor because you know I, I I was eating good and so I was, <laughs> yeah, starting to, eating really I, was good, huh? I was getting pretty big and I was like man I got to go to the doctor so I, I went to the doctor and he's like well he's like you want to lose some weight he's like I'm gonna put you on Adderall because you got ADD wow. and so he put me on Adderall and then he gave me the T shot which is really steroids yeah. and I lost like 50 60 pounds wow. and uh, but uh, that Adderall I loved it sure. I never done a drug like I drank and I smoked some weed before, but yeah. I never did a drug like that. Sure. And so I just wanted more of that. So I started doing cocaine and ecstasy and oh, bricks, wow. everything. And then, and then that life literally within 15 years of building my business, million dollar business, you know, 10 employees, 20 advisors, um, you know, great reputation in three years, I destroyed almost every relationship I had wow. and blew almost every dollar. Wow, man, that's so me. You know, uh, that that's really interesting, Ryan. And, and I'm kind of curious because, you know, um, in in the the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, uh, John Maxwell talks about the law of the inner circle. And I'm always curious about like how who did you have around you at that time that kind of influenced that that behavior or that you know that lifestyle? It's a really good question, David. You know who I had around me. And I say this all the time. I said, I had people that only said yes 
uh interesting they were yes they they were all about ryan mm -hmm. but they nobody ever told me no wow and i had really no godly influence mm -hmm. I, at that point all the people around me were they were they were it, they were they were really successful sure but they were very unhappy themselves mm -hmm. trying to fill in things of the world go to costa rica and have all these just all this different stuff yeah. And so it was, it was all the pleasures of the world that we were seeking all this group I was with. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, John talks about it, you know, all the time, like, um, I've met a lot of, a lot of successful, unhappy people. Right, right. Like, I can't even, I can't even count them all. Yeah. Were you unhappy at that time? Absolutely. I might've, I might've seemed, you know, I had a cackle. My, I had a sure. good friend of mine the other day. He's like, he's like, man, you're so different. He goes, you're not even cackling. you like, mm -hmm. I would just be, cause it was the kind of, I don't even know what he meant by that, but I literally would just, everything was kind of like, Oh, it'll be fine. But it wasn't on the inside. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was not okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. So how did you make a, a change and what, you know, what, what happened to be able to kind of get out of that lifestyle and maybe even remove some of those yes people that were around you? Well, when, when, when the money started to go down and, and things, I started to run away from my problems. Mm. So <clears throat> first and foremost, when I, I was, I was living in Fargo, North Dakota, and I worked a lot. I worked a lot all around the country, but I worked, I had a, my main medical school that I sold life insurance and disability insurance to was actually in Nevada. It was in Las Vegas of oh, all places. Oh, yeah. That's not a, a great, not, not a, great a great place for, yeah. for somebody with a growing cocaine addiction. Yeah. <laughs> right. No kidding. And so, um, so I literally moved myself. I, we, we rented a place in Las Vegas. I moved my family. I took, I, I, mm. I, I, I just started to run away from problems that didn't work at all. Mm -hmm. And so then it just kept getting worse. And then all the lies started to come out and unraveling and the cheating, the affairs. And then, you know, I, I just, I had all my friends that were like, they didn't want anything because they didn't, they, they thought they're like, well, you're not going to tell anybody about what we do. Right. And so <laughs> then they started to just shut me Scattered. out. So then mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was a good thing though, because then I was able to really see like, Oh, who, who is really my friend? Right. You know, and who yeah. really is does want, you know, what the best interest of, of, of myself. And yeah, and yeah. so it was it was it started to get to be some pretty dark days. Mm. Yeah. Um how did you get moved. through that? How did you how did you get through some of those dark days? I did more drugs and alcohol. Oh wow, yeah. And so if you can imagine how well that that you know, <laughs> so it was about a year and a half. I barely I don't remember much. Mm. Wow. You know, my wife, um, she really got heavy into working out in the gym to just deal with it. Cause I would be gone for five, seven, 10 days at a time. I wouldn't come back. Wow. Wow. I would just leave. And, you know, we had, we had, uh, uh, four, you know, four small children and we had a nanny and we had all that stuff. I still had some, I still have money, but yeah. I was just, I was just, all my world was colliding mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to do. And I would just go to, I would try to get sober. I'd go to some AA meetings. I'd, I'd you know, I'd go in little stretches yeah. And uh, I just could never do it on my own. And sure. finally, she, um, I got arrested uh, a couple times, but one was with a bunch of drugs in the car. And oh. so I had four felony charges hanging over me. And mm -hmm. so then I start, you know, then my, my investment, my insurance license, all that's up for risk now. And yeah. so everything's just really crumbling. And then finally, she she said, you know, I I, I got to leave. She, she took the kids and she came back to North Dakota and she left. And 
I didn't even think anything about it. I just moved my girlfriend right in. Um, oh, and uh, so I said, well, if I can't make money doing this anymore, I'm going to start dealing drugs or do whatever. I just, oh, I always had a way to make money. I just was that sure. type of guy. I was, yeah. I was, I was a hustler since I was young, delivering pizzas and whatever. I just always had a thing where I always. Grandma, grandma taught you to eat well, right? <laughs> he taught me to eat well. And that <laughs> means telling. I had to earn. Yeah. Right. And it. so I always had a way to make money. And so, um, but then when, when she, when she left, she took the kids, this was uh, in 2020. So this is right. So now COVID hit and I'm, I'm thinking like, Hey, I got a check and chance at life here. Cause everybody's talking about COVID. And no, nobody's really remembered what's going on with Ryan. Yeah. And so I was like, this could be like a new life for me. So I had some hope uh, and I kept saying, David, I kept saying, I'm, I'm going to change the world. Like I just felt something inside me. Mm. was like there's something big coming i didn't know what that meant at the time i, sure. I thought i thought money and things sure. but really god god had other plans he was starting to draw me mm. he was starting mm. to draw me because i would party and i'm like i couldn't even i wasn't getting drunk or higher anymore nothing nothing i just was yeah. i was just losing i was just like this isn't fun anymore yeah and so he was starting to draw me well then i od'd and mm. and i actually died i was dead i was in a coma for three days wow Oh and this goodness. was uh this was in about October of 2020. Wow. And so I came like up, deep in the heart of the pandemic kind of a thing. Yeah, wow. I was oh, at, not, I had a house party. Not a great party. time to be in the hospital either. <laughs> right. And so you know? uh, that was the thing too. I had covid too. So wow. I had covid and I OD. How I didn't die was only I'm only only a uh you know the mercy and grace of God that I'm yeah. here. Yeah. And wow. so I came out and I still didn't care. Sure. I literally woke up out of a coma. I ripped all the stuff off me other than the catheter. You can't do that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so she comes in. To, I said, I'm leaving. I, she's like, well, we can't hold you here. So you do whatever you do. And I just walked out. And, uh, wow. and so then I was like, well, what happened? And so the people that were at my house party are like telling me like, well, that, you know, you, you, you took this, it was, it was, it was called a drug called GHB and it's a liquid drug. Mm -hmm. And if you take too much, you literally pass out or you could die. And so I accidentally just took too much. And, um, and so I turned blue and I literally died beside my pool. And this big black man that was at my house party, his name's Bill. And Bill uh, did CPR. He was only the biggest one in there that could do CPR on me pretty much. And they called the ambulance and they came and got me. And, I, and so I got, I, I got out of the hospital. I said, who's Bill? And I'm like, I don't even know who Bill is. I said, I want to invite him over and thank him for, you know, helping yeah. save my life. And so yeah. I said, Bill comes over. And I truly think, David, that 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 God sends us angels mm, sure. when we can't get out mm. of the problem in, in, the, in, the, in what we're in. Yeah. Because yeah. I could, I physically couldn't get out. I was in a prison. Yeah. I couldn't get out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was going to so, ask, like what, you know, what was the the catalyst for you to be able to then finally get out? So it sounds like Bill was the uh, kind of the doorway for you. <laughs> Bill was the doorway. And so this Bill, and so even after that, I still was doing drugs. I was drinking. I didn't care. Hmm. And, but Bill's sitting there talking to me and we're, we're, and so we just having a conversation. Well, I grew up in North Dakota and it's, we're, it's racist. Like um, it is what it is. Yeah, sure. And so I was racist to everybody though. Mm. Black, white, Mexican, doesn't matter. I was just a racist person. I was arrogant and, uh, you know, had money. So I thought I could do and say anything I wanted. Mm. Well, uh, this, this bill, I, I, I'm asking him, I'm just asking him like, what happened? So he's telling me about, you know, how I passed out and I died and all this stuff. And I said, well, and so in the conversation, this is just the racist Ryan, the old racist Ryan. I said, 
Bill, you know, you're black. Obviously, you've been to jail. There's no offense, Ryan. He's like, but no, I, he was like, I've not really been to jail like that. He was like, I did a weekend in, in for, for a DUI. Uh. And uh, he goes, but the only thing I did when I was in jail over that weekend, Ryan, is I read the Bible. And that's mm. all he had to say, David. Mm. He said the word Bible, mm. and it cut me right to my heart. Oh, man. Wow. And convicted me. I said, that's it. I need God. Wow. Yeah. And I went straight to church that weekend. Randall Cunningham's church in Las Vegas. Oh, he's, nice. a, he's the quarterback. Yeah. He's, right. a, he's a pastor now in Las Vegas. And I went there, and I brought my girlfriend. I brought my druggy friends and everybody. They all came really? with me. And we went to church and I, at the end of church, I just, God started to move on me. And that next mm -hmm. week I repented. I literally turned away. I slammed the door in her face. I gave her tens of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. Wow. And I said, I choose Jesus. I'm going back to my family. And mm -hmm. I did. Wow. Wow. So there's that one, that, that one shift, that one person just be able, was able to sh change, you know, your one word. Yeah. One word. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So how did, how did, when you went back then though, like, what did your wife say? I mean, how, how did, what, what happened there? If you can imagine, you know, I put her through a lot. Sure. Over, yeah. over three years. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. It was probably even building up for three or four or five years. Mm -hmm. um, but she could tell we, we were living a crazy lifestyle. And so she, God was drawing her and she started to read her Bible more and getting, and she was reading the, the story about the rich man. And how hard it is for the rich man to get to the kingdom of heaven. And she's like, we're in trouble. So mm. she started to pray for me. Uh, well, that, those prayers absolutely yeah. saved my, my soul. Because mm. I feel yeah. like there wasn't many people that were really praying for Ryan, honestly. Mm, sure. Um, yeah. and, and so, but I came back and she's like hesitant. She's like, well, she literally thought probably for the first six months that I was just going to leave any, any given any any week weekend, she thought I like I would leave and go to Bismarck. She'd be like, "If I don't see him in a month, that's she was expecting that because that's what I was doing to her." Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And so, and now learning that, I have more compassion and empathy for my wife of what she was really going through. She because I sure. did all these things because I'm like, no, I'm here, I'm okay. Like God's delivered me, and she just I so now over, you know, almost three coming up on three years. Yeah. I've had to earn that trust. I've had to literally mm. do what I said I was going to do yeah, and, and be an actual man of God. Uh, and it hasn't been all roses, that's for sure. Oh, I'm sure not. But talk about that process a little bit, because I think that so oftentimes, you know, people might hear a story like this and think, oh, wow, that's great. You know, things happened and miraculously things changed. Right. But, but you, you even said it, you know, it's a process. It's been a process. So what's that process been like? Because I'm, I'm guessing that it's been a growth process for you. It's been a, a, a change in, in mindset, a change in identity even for, for you. Well, I, God will take, he'll, he'll take some things away right away. Sure. Like for instance, I've never did another drug. I never drank mm. ever since October 20th, 2020. Wow. I, so instant deliverance. Hmm, man. Now, um, I still had, I, I still, I had a really filthy mouth. And mm -hmm. so it took a few months, maybe even six months where they started to take, you know, where that, those cuss yeah. words out of my mouth. Sure. And a lot sure. of that was what I listened to, like what kind of music and what sure. I watch. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that was that. And then from there, and then just forgiveness of myself mm-hmm. and, you know, learning now to just walk with God even more and, and having a better prayer life and more mm-hmm. reading more scripture. But when I first came back, I mean, I was so like, I was just floored by God. I, you couldn't get the Bible away from me. I was reading the Bible six, seven, eight hours a day wow. studying. Wow. And then I would go, I still had some money. And so I would go to the soup cafe in uh in in town about 30 miles i'd go there two three days a week and i'd work and i literally would just i lost my life in the service of others wow and when i did that david i was able to finally look across the table and see a drug addict or an alcoholic or a homeless person Mm -hmm. and love them more than i finally love myself Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I did that, it was a whole shift because I said, wow, I really feel good serving people. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I really tried to, now I'm value, I value that person rather than just see them as, as a paycheck or see them as something I can get out of them, manipulate yeah. them. Yeah. So it's more of, you, you, it's like you shifted your, your mindset from around, uh, you know, a self-serving mindset. Yes to a, a serving mindset. And yeah, that's, that's interesting. Wow. So in that process, then I'm, I'm guessing, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that you had to change kind of going back to the inner circle, you had to change the people that surrounded you or that Absolutely. you hung out with. Talk a little bit about that. Well, there was a point when I was, when I was really getting deep, like it, my wife would just be, she would, she would testify to this, that the devil just kept sending worse and worse people. Mm. There's just no question about it. Like it, it they, the people I was hanging around kept getting worse and worse. And I mean, it was just another level of yeah. really evil people that I was around. Um, and then when that all, when, when everything kind of shook, then obviously, you know, I still prayed for all those people that I cared about, Sure. you know? Um, but I knew I had to separate them just like how, you know, the Israelites had to come out of Egypt. I had to not only leave Egypt, which is my sin spiritually, but I had to leave physically. Yeah. I couldn't be around too. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So tell tell me about like, were you, did you get involved in, you know, like any kind of, you know, like men's group or, or any kind of a, you know, you know, growth group, something, something of that nature. Yeah. I really, anything I could. Yeah, you know, sure. the one thing that my family and, and, and everybody wanted me to do, they wanted me to go to rehab. Sure. And, okay. and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm delivered. Mm. Like yeah. I don't, I, I, and they didn't understand that the world doesn't understand true deliverance. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, so I didn't want to go to rehab. They also wanted to put me on medication. Oh, okay. And so now I'm going to tell you something. If you look up the word pharmacy, <laughs> Okay. And you look up the origin of the word pharmacy. It's pharmakai, which is the Greek word. And it, the meaning of that, you can search this is sorcery, witchcraft. Hmm. And so every time you take that, these meds, so they're trying to get me on all these heavy antipsychotic meds. And I said, I'm not taking any of your garbage. Well, I got a lot of pushback from that. Sure. You know, yeah. saying, oh, I'm bipolar. I'm all this. I was all those things when I was on, when I, when I was on drugs. Because, sure. I mean, what's bipolar mean? It's two, two personalities. Well, yeah. I felt depressed and then I did drugs to feel better. That's bipolar. Mm, sure, sure. You know, yeah. and so 
And so the world couldn't understand it. So I was literally just looking for anybody I could that that knew God, that loved the Bible, that maybe had been through some type of experience like this. But it yeah. it took me at least a year before, almost a year, going through and just church to church and Bible studies and meeting all these so-called Christians mm -hmm. until I just prayed and prayed. And I said, Lord, I need a pastor. Oh, yeah. And he brought me a great, great pastor. It wasn't, it wasn't on my own, you know, my own looking. It was yeah. just God's put me together with this great man of God. And and now I submit to a man of God. I also submit to God. Yeah. Sure. And because of that, my kids are my kids are, I mean, just awesome and they're mm -hmm. flourishing. And yeah. and you know, we're just a Holy Ghost filled family. And 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 we're yeah. thankful for that. Yeah. Now and 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 I'm I'm curious then too. Has there any, been any time when, you know, you've actually had, you know, the um, opportunity or maybe even like an inkling to go back to that kind of lifestyle? Is that, has that been a part of your, your journey at all? You know, the devil is, he's, he, he's slick. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, there's always going to be that temptation. The big one for me was um, getting out of gambling. I was a big time mm. bookie. I was a big time yeah. bookie. So okay. sports betting, all that stuff was, I made a lot of money from that. Uh, and then, and then, and so when I came back, I was still playing a little poker and mm -hmm. I, you know, that was, I was like kind of justifying it, but then the Lord was like, no, like there's mm -hmm. no gambling, no, none of this, you know, you need to come out from among them, um, and be separate. And, uh, and so the, there was, there's always these little temptations, you know, a big one for me too, is I was hooked on porn ever since I was 13, uh, well, yeah. you know? And so I got delivered from that. And I had to understand, okay, what are my triggers? Well, Instagram I had to be done with that garbage. Mm. I had to be like, the Bible says, put no wicked thing before your eye, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And and Job also said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have to be very careful what I, what I listen to, but what I also, what I see, because yeah. it just brings, you know, I need to cast down any imaginations and a lot mm -hmm. of that. So, so I feel that's a big one for sure. And, and I, you know, um, and so those, those things, like I said, maybe took a little more time to get delivered from, yeah. uh, but there are things I needed to recognize in myself. I needed to search myself and have help yeah. God to, to really search me to, to, to deal with myself. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, one of the things that I know um, that many leaders who have gone through the growth process, and I kind of am hearing you say this as well. I don't want to put words in your mouth, of course, but, but there's a process of of self-awareness and becoming aware of my, of my, my tendencies, my strengths, yes, my weaknesses, but also being able just to be aware of those things that might even trigger me. And so when I'm aware of those things, then I can stay away from them or I can, right. you know, you know, keep, keep my eyes away Absolutely. from them, as you said. So, Absolutely. yeah, so, I mean, and I think that, you know, that's a, that's a really important part for, anyone's growth journey is to be able to, to, to recognize their own, uh, their own um, tendencies to be, you know, walk down the wrong path. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a reason where, you know, John, the first law of the 15 laws of invaluable growth is intentionality. And the next right. one is awareness. Right. He has those in order for a reason. Yeah. Because we need to be intentional about our growth, but then also understand, hey, what is the stages of 
of awareness. What is so usually when people set a goal, they say, I'm going to do this, they're really excited. But then what comes in? Fear and frustration. Right. And then and then after that, then they start looking. They are, the grass is always greener, shiny objects. And then the but the really what we need to do is recommit when we start to feel those things. So if I understand the four the the four phases of attitude that I can see where I'm at in here. So, oh, okay. I just started working out. I'm two weeks in. Now I'm in that frustration stage right here of uh, yeah. where I'm at. And so I need to realize I need, you need to recommit sooner right. rather than maybe just sitting in it too long. A lot of people sit in their stuff too long. Yeah. And so right. I wanted to always take action, you know, for right. that. Now, being aware is so important because, <clears throat> you know, um, I had to really humble myself, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for 10 bucks an hour at Dickie's Barbecue. Mm, and uh and i worked for a woman you know and and she you know it she was an ungodly woman and i had to be the bigger man to just humble myself this is a man who's made over a million dollars in a year and i worked at dickie's barbecue but god was like if you you need i need i need to trust you are you willing to to make to you know to, to humble myself take the low seat and then eventually he he's exalted me, which he has now. And I'm so thankful. You know, my speaking and my coaching career sure. is is just going awesome. And and I'm That's so awesome. I'm just so blessed. But it had to had to start. It all started really with me making my bed. Yeah. I felt the, the Lord was just like, okay, Ryan, wake up, make your bed. Those, and yeah, then those I just kept habits, building right? on that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love that. You know, and I think it's it's when we get down to just these basic foundational habits. It's, you know, it, that, that makes a lot of difference because it starts to instill that discipline in ourselves and that discipline then creates a, a, a momentum effect. And, and, and I think that that, you know, I, I hope that our listeners as they're listening will catch that because just doing something as simple as making your bed um, seems so insignificant, but it's a, it's a domino. It's a, it's a habit that can, you know, once you start that, it, it's a domino effect and it really begins to then bleed into the other areas of your life. And so, yeah, talk a little bit about, um, you know, where you are now, what's your, you know, like what's your trajectory where, you know, I, you talked about speaking and, and, and coaching. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I did the John Maxwell training um, at the beginning of 2021 um, and I didn't really do much with it. And then um I got into working with homeless people, drug addicts, alcoholics, and I actually worked for the state for a few months um, doing that. And uh, and then I was a FedEx driver. And then, you know, like I just kept working my way up from the Dickies barbecue stage. And I just kept, sure. he just kept exalting me a little bit. It was really cool. Yeah. And then I actually lost my job with the state, uh, with the state. And, and it was a technicality, but it was just God redirecting. So that next week, my wife's like, hey, you want to come to the ambulance? She's on the volunteer ambulance. You want to come to the ambulance banquet with me? And I'm like, I, I was really, I was not really having it. I just lost my job. I was just not really, I didn't want to be around people. I was just dealing with, God was dealing with me. Sure. And uh, and so I said, okay, I'll go. And so I went and this man who's a motivational speaker comes to Washburn, North Dakota of all places. <laughs> we have like 1500 people here. Yeah. He comes and he speaks and I'm sitting in the back and this man starts to speak life into me. Hmm. And I said, yeah. That's okay. And I said, because I've been praying like, God, what do you want me to do? Sure. And sure. so I tapped him on the shoulder. His name was Bob. Uh, his name is Bob. And uh, he, he, of all his name, his name is Mr. Attitude. 
<laughs> well, I needed to adjust my attitude, right? Oh, I know how great. you feel about yeah, attitude, David. Yeah, David. And yeah. so I said, I, yeah, I said, I really, I, I want to work with you. I said, I want, I want to be a speaker. And 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 he goes, okay, call me Monday. And so I called him Monday, and we got into. He started coaching me right away. We went through ten sessions, um, nice. and I didn't have much money, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, and so he just worked with me. He said, we'll just we'll just make it work. And he poured into me this man, and and I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for it. And then he also pushed me to get out of my comfort zone, start doing cold calls. So sure. I started cold calling real estate offices and car dealerships. And I said, hey, let me come in and speak to your sales team. And then I came in and spoke, and then they hired me. And then from there, it just kept building and building. And now I speak a couple times a week for nice. for and get paid, and yeah. also do quite a bit of consulting and coaching. Love that. Love that. And so I'm really just enjoying the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds too like you weren't afraid to invest in yourself, you know, so because you, you invested in the John Maxwell team, you know, you invested in, you know, having a coach to be able to coach you. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of people miss, you know, they just want to read a book and think that they're going to grow. They want to, you know, listen to a podcast, think they want to grow up, they're going to grow. And, and then, you know, they're not willing to actually invest in themselves to have someone pour into them, you know, I, I know that you don't always have to do that, you know, you can find a mentor. But there's something to be said about the transformation that happens around a transaction. When I invest money, when I when I when I give someone money, there's that energy flow that that directs, you know, in, in, a, in a way that doesn't happen. If I'm just going to like go buy a book and read it. And, and, and I think that that's important for our listeners to, to, to notice because you, you didn't, you know, you didn't shy away from investing in yourself. And I think that's really important in the growth process because we all need coaches. I, I mean, I have my own, I mean, Paul Martinelli's my coach and, yes. and he, you know, he, he's helped me think differently and that helps, uh, you know, to, to build my business and it's helped shape my business over the past past year. And so I'm, I'm super grateful for that. So all of that to say that sometimes it does require us to invest in ourselves. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> I had a coach all throughout my financial services career. Yeah. The problem is I was, I, I didn't, it wasn't a coach that pushed me and challenged yeah. me. And it was also a coach that was like, uh, whatever it's, 200 bucks a month. I didn't care. Yeah, sure. And so because of that, it really hurt me. Mm. It really hurt me. And, and so what now, you know, I've got, you know, have Bob as my coach. I have, I hired a speaker coach. Yeah. Um, do you know, Grant, um, Grant, um, uh, Grant Baldwin. Oh yeah. 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 And, yeah the speaker lab. So I, you know, like I've invested everything I'm investing because I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I don't know. I want to be the best. I want to yeah. be, I want to be held accountable for me, you know, being around the best people, yeah. but that, but there's no other relationship like a coach mm-hmm. that is two people and they are set on the same, you know, the, the same trajectory. Right. And other than maybe a, a supportive spouse, but sure. you know what I mean? There's yeah, no absolutely. other, there's no other relationship like a coach. So true. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and so, so uh, there, I, I just have never been afraid to invest in myself, which I'm so thankful because it's always the best investment I've ever made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I see people, I, I see people and just to, just to, yeah. you know, maybe speak to the crowd a little bit. I see people do this. They try to maybe just watch a bunch of podcasts and they try to do that. They try to get around anything that would be spending money mm. on 
the, the yes. The and game. I see it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're not committed, if you're on the fence, you're not in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I had a mentor one time, you know, tell me, look, the, the, the transformation is in the transaction. And I, I, I've found that to be true That's time good. and time again. You know, whenever I put my money down and I, I, I invest in myself or my business, man, that I'm, I'm all in, you know, then I'm, I'm paying attention. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. I got to write that down. The transformation is in the transaction. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was a great, it was a great line by a, a mentor of mine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Ryan, I, I, just a, a, as a way to kind of wrap things up, first of all, I appreciate you sharing your story and being really vulnerable about the, the process that you've been through. Um, you know, what would you tell, maybe a, a young leader who was in a, or is in a position that maybe you were in, maybe, maybe they're getting, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of success right now. And they, um, you know, financially, they're doing really well. Um, but maybe they're walking down, maybe their inner circle isn't the best or isn't the best influence. What would you tell, you know, them or, or maybe even the, your younger self? Absolutely. Um, and I feel so, you know, we're, we're most qualified to, to coach our old self, right? Yeah, right, right. And, and so my old self, he heard this and he didn't listen. He heard, don't believe your own marketing. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't, I thought I heard it and I never, I didn't listen to it because I had so many people around me like, oh, you know, exalting Ryan and, 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 yeah. and putting me on this pedestal and, I didn't have anybody around me that was able to keep me humble, but you know, I didn't have God. So he had to take me through all this. I mean, and I'm so thankful, yeah. um, you know, and, and grateful. And I, that's probably why anytime I start to get stressed, I just, oh, I'm like, I just be how thankful I am about, yeah. you know, uh, every breath, every heartbeat, every moment. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Um, for, for those of you who are watching, I mean, you can really see, you know, Ryan's, you know, sincerity and his, his approach to life and, and his vibrancy. And, um, and, and I, I hope that this growth journey story has, has really helped you um, because it, there's, there's so much value in hearing other people's story and other people's journey. And it's, you know, it's a continued journey. It's not, not like we've arrived and it's not like Ryan's arrived or I've arrived. Right. It's, it's one of those things where we want to continue to, to get better, to, to grow into the full potential that, you know, that God has, has entrusted us with. And so if, if I can say anything, it's, it's be, you know, willing to go on the journey. And uh, I hope that, that Ryan's story has, has helped you uh, today. And if you would, please uh, give us a rating and a review. Go out and subscribe to the podcast. Um, drop a little review. Let us know about this particular podcast. Let us know about what you thought about Ryan's story and maybe what you took away from it. Um, and we'll make sure that um, all of Ryan's uh, contact information is in the show notes. Matter of fact, uh, Ryan, you want to give people, you know, where, do they, where do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I, you know... I early in my speaking and coaching career I said, no, I don't want my name on it. And so I went with, I went with uh, cornerstone is, is cornerstone. It's cornerstone speaking. 
okay. dot com. And awesome. and then obviously my LinkedIn is Ryan Botner and all that stuff. But but he's he uh it's the it's everything I've built my life, my rebuilt my life on is is on this beautiful gospel. And so I'm so mm. thankful for God in my life. And he keeps bringing me great people like you, David. So thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.